Hello, I'm Scott Sasha. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Crypto Winter Comes for Leagues and Athletes Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Oh, that's a long one. I would have said this is the sweaty drips episode of the Sportacast because, again, I can see you. Audience won't be able to see you. We might have to actually post you. We might have to do this as the tease because you are in a cabin in the Pennsylvania woods. You have to shut... There's no AC, but you do have a ceiling fan that's too loud, so you can't have it on while you do this. What What's the temperature right now? Do you, you want to... Give me a quick temperature uh, outside. Update. It's ninety something degrees inside. It's definitely more. I can't do it outside because it's too loud with the with the eagles screeching uh, around the cabin. <laughs> Scott, if if I don't make it to the end of this podcast, it was a great run. But if I, if I see you go down, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, well, exactly. I, no, but Hit before stop, just text me the send, text me the directions out. to the cabin so they can find you and rehydrate via IV line. This is aye, this aye, is pretty aye. brutal. Yeah. Oh, all right. Speaking of pretty brutal, so we had an announcement a while back about the NWSL and a deal with a crypto company, right? And as part of that, the players were going to enjoy some of the proceeds of this deal. However, and I just go, I'll leave it as a verbal ellipse. I'll say, however, and that's your cue to go ahead because this was your story, which I loved because it's so foreshadowing. It's the first of what people were saying, what's going to happen in sports? All these crypto companies rushed into sports. Are they nervous? What's going to happen to these sponsorship deals? So I will say again, however... Yeah, however, the company is bankrupt. The, the, the partner was Voyager D- Digital, which is a crypto lender, crypto trading platform. Uh, one of the many that, that, that rose in prominence and became uh, pretty big uh, during the, I think what a lot of people would call this, this kind of really quick rise of crypto trading. Uh, and you're right, Scott, the crypto companies, especially lenders and platforms like Voyager... They're buying pricey Super Bowl ads. We remember the Coinbase one, right? They are they're buying up ad space in MLS, for example. They're, 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 the Inter Miami team has a it's the new sports the betting revenue jersey. stream. We've talked about Crypto.com Arena, right? A, a, a really expensive, one of the most, if not the most expensive, arena naming rights deal uh, that, that sports has ever seen. These companies spent a lot of money, and now we're, we're four or five months into what a lot of people are calling the crypto winter, where a lot of these. The coins are and the, the 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 cryptocurrencies are are going down, and also so are a lot of the trading platforms. Uh, what was it? I was supposed to believe, Eben. What was it? Fortune favors the brave. <laughs> Fortune favors the brave. There you go. Yeah, I can't remember which one was that advertising campaign, but that was expensive. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so so you mentioned it there when NWSL and Voyager announced their deal last year, late last year. Part of this was a cash payment to the league, your kind of your traditional sponsorship, and then the other part of it was an in equal amounts money that was going to be paid into athlete accounts. So so crypto-funded accounts that athletes could use to trade on the Voyager platform. And the goal there obviously being that they want crypto trading to become more popular for more people to do it. And one of the ways that all these companies are, are achieving that goal is by getting celebrities, politicians, athletes, entertainers, actors, getting them to be talking more publicly about their own crypto trading. So the NWSL deal was going to be uh, it was going to have that as well. Those accounts never got funded, Scott. And now that the company is bankrupt, nobody really knows if the NWSL players are ever going to get their portion of this deal at all. And it's creating a headache for the NWSL, obviously, even though this is not the league's fault by any means. 
Um, but also, and, and you hinted at it, I think there's a lot of people in our industry right now who are looking at this and saying, oh man, we did a deal with X or Y lender or X or Y uh, trading platform. Uh, do I have to worry about their own financial stability? If they enter, enter chapter 11, what does that mean for our deal, uh, et cetera? So, so there's a lot in here that I think is, is resonating with a lot of people in sales and marketing departments around the country. All right. I'm going to teach people a very important word for this very situation. I signed this deal and on whatever, it doesn't matter which league. Ready? As a yeah. homeowner, you know this one, Evan. Escrow. <laughs> Let's put some money in escrow should something happen to the company or the stock price and it be unable to fulfill its responsibilities as the winner of the beauty pageant in crypto. Right? NHL players who listen to our show are, are sweating right now more than I am hearing. Yes, the word what, what is it? Was it 10% of NHL salaries go into? <laughs> I don't know where it is right now, but it's certainly. I think it's high, 10% yeah. of NHL player salaries go into escrow. And then, depending on sort of the hockey related revenue at the end of the year, it either goes to the owners or is returned in somewhat to the players. Yeah, you just made every NHL player very unhappy. Sorry about <laughs> that. But yeah, like, you have to look at this as, as possible foreshadowing for other leagues, other teams. Um, but again, you have to know going in that on its face, crypto was speculative. Like you had to know that. So wh whether you're just counting on, oh, I think it'll be fine or nothing will happen in the first year, here we are. And uh, without getting specific, I can tell you that readers had a voracious appetite for that story. And I think it's because it was sort of like, oh, here we go. This sort of answered the question that everybody was asking. What's going to happen if, what's going to happen when? While it didn't answer the exactly what will happen, it at least advanced to the point of, oh, here we are. Now we're going to have to get some answers. This was the example we all thought that we'd have to deal with in sports business and marketing. And now here we are. I think that's why it was, it was such a popular story. And it gets a little more complicated specifically for NWSL because a lot of the corporate deals that they've done recently, and this Voyager deal is one of them, a recent deal with CarMax is another, are built around this idea that a lot of their corporate partners also want to make sure that a part of their sponsorship goes directly to the players. So whether that's increasing the the bonus that players get if they win the, the, the league regular season title, which is the CarMax deal, or this deal, which is giving funded accounts to, to athletes as another kind of arm of the marketing plan. Uh, NWSL has done a number of these deals. And when those partners go sour, not only is the league out money, because the league only got its first year of cash, it was a multi-year deal. Not only is the league out money, but suddenly the players are out money as well. And, and the league is put in a tough place. And, and kudos to Jessica Berman and, and the folks over there. One of the things that they're considering, and we'll see if this gets done, but they're considering sharing some of their cash, which they did get under year one of the deal sharing some of their cash with the players themselves as a show of good faith. Why didn't the players get their down. share? That's my question. Though. Why didn't the players get a portion of their share? Yeah, from what I understand, it was just it just took a while for, for Voyager to get everything together, to get the, the mechanism in place for funding these accounts, figuring out how much each player was going to get. And, and, and the way it was told to me, th this company went bankrupt like 24 or 48 hours before those accounts were set to be funded. It was very close to the time at which a lot of these players were going to be told, hey, you can now log in, you now have crypto that you're allowed to buy, sell, trade, et cetera. So I, I think it was a, a just a bad timing in some ways. Can I ask a question that I know you won't have an answer to and it's not meant to embarrass or whatever? I just, <laughs> sure. I'm just curious. No, yeah. not really. I mean, this is not, I'm just curious. Uh, are the Can the individual players be listed as creditors so it, in it, a bankruptcy? We, we talked to a bankruptcy lawyer who thought that the answer to that was no. 
that they're that the league and and the players are going to be unsecured creditors essentially because on the player side the, these accounts never happened I, th- I think it still resides from what i understand still resides as a marketing commitment which in chapter 11 when, when, when businesses get restructured generally do not have really high priority when it comes to the the business future um but i think a lot of that is also up to the creditor and and, and essentially how they want to restructure this business i think that there's a good chance there's going to be potentially some some public pressure on on voyager to maybe make part of this deal whole just because a lot of these these female soccer players are pretty big names i'm not sure if i've seen that quite yet but who knows there there could be a public pressure aspect to this well that's why they wanted it's the good and the bad the yin and the yang that's why in the first place they wanted to do this so that Absolutely. they could increase the trading and whatever yeah if i'm a company it's nice to have the nwsl like the league entity but you know the league is made up of its star players just like any other sports league and if I can have Trinity Rodman and Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino tweeting about my product, my company, and how great it is and that they use it, there's your great value. You know who does that really well? Hmm. little tangent. Are we get a tangent trumpet right here, Matt Whitehurst? Make way for a Sportico tangent. Chipotle. Hmm. Do, you have, do you know about the Chipotle influencer card? I, I do not know about the Chipotle influencer All right, well, cards. Chipotle gives influencers a card and it comes in a great big package like a lot of fanfare no i don't have one but i've seen it uh i am trying to get one though because as you know my son does devour tremendous amounts of burrito but it you know big package whole whole fanfare thing but in essence just a little credit card looking thing it's the chipotle influencer no matter what you get at chipotle you can step to the counter you don't pay it's free what they ask you to do though is to please promote on your social channels that, hey, I'm eating Chipotle for lunch. I just yeah. had my practice. It's athletes. It's entertainers. I, I just finished practice. And boy, I got to refuel with a burrito or the new spicy salsa, whatever it is they have. Or go yeah, on man. your podcast, great, great. Scott, and talk about the Chipotle card. Or go <laughs> on the podcast and talk about Chipotle. Exactly. And here I am as somebody who does not have, have an influencer card. And my son, who eats tremendous amounts of Chipotle. Hello, Chipotle. If you didn't hear that, I said Chipotle for the 57th time. Uh, I myself, by the way, do not. You you know the uh, the herb or whatever that I don't like. Mm, yep, cilantro. Yeah. So, yeah, I I am one of the cilantro people that it tastes like soap. So I they put cilantro in everything. So I cannot go near Chipotle. No offense, but my son makes up for it because he does plenty. <laughs> as I cough, plenty of eating. All right, can you pay with crypto at Chipotle? Uh, that's a great question. I do not know the answer. My Voyager Wouldn't account get me, me a, get me something? I don't know. Yeah. All right. You know who can pay, doesn't need the card, can pay cash? Deshaun Watson, right? Still. But we haven't talked about because we had uh we had Stacey Moore of Cornhole on as our as our last show. We never really talked about Deshaun and all that's going in. The NFL is appealing the suspension. You had to know. You had to know that you poked the bear, that you structured the contract to make it in essence, that from at least a financial standpoint, Deshaun Watson would not be penalized by any, even a year-long, whatever. He would not really feel the pinch, at least in, in the wallet. And sure enough, here's the NFL, Roger Goodell appointing somebody else to, to appeal the decision of a six-game suspension. There was so much made in this new CBA about the, the change to the disciplinary process, Scott, which was a a point of contention for so long between the NFL players. I thought players the players. And, was, this was like league. this was such an important thing for the players, and then and yet at the end, 
it went back to decimal points, and Roger Goodell is the the arbitrator. Yeah, it, it took a little bit longer, but we're kind of right back where we were, where the NFL is in in some ways still kind of judge, jury, and executioner here. The the independent disciplinary officer Sue Robinson returned the the, the six game suspension, which we discussed with Kurt on the show last week, and then the NFL has the right to appeal it, and decided late last week that it was going to. And Roger either hears the thing himself or seems more likely is going to appoint his own person, some, someone that, that, that he trusts to do it. The league has made it clear that, they, that, that, that the league wants a, a longer suspension for Deshaun. Um, but yeah, I think one of my takeaways here, Scott, is, is that for all the discussion, and I'm sure a lot of negotiation about how to restructure the disciplinary process so that Roger Goodell was not the one who ended up getting to unilaterally make decisions, we end up here in August 2022 where... The NFL sure seems like it's in a position to, to to unilaterally make a decision, and that could launch other lawsuits filed by Deshaun or by the union or by both. Uh, we have not heard the end of this uh, nearly at all, but it is interesting to me that, that after all of the, the hand-wringing and discussions about how to change it, we kind of end up back in the same place. All right. No, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, we need another sound effect from Matt Whitehurst. When you're hanging out at a cabin, right, and you're enjoying all your activities and Maybe some news slips past you, right? Maybe that happens. You're talking about Roger. He's going to look. He's going to, you know, he did appoint somebody. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you okay, go. So, and, and, and by the way, on this show, we don't clean it up. We don't have anything. We, we, there's no second takes. We <laughs> Matt, do not please, do please that. Edit out. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that's okay. But, it, he, you know, Goodell has appointed the uh, former attorney general of New Jersey, Peter Harvey. To hear, yeah, the I was in a puddle when that happened. I think, but, uh, and, and that guy, hey, God knows, I've missed a million things. But so you know, Roger Goodell, while keeping it, hey, what do they say uh, when you're an attorney? Never ask a question that you don't know the answer to. Right? Don't put somebody on the stand when you don't know the answer. Something tells me that Roger Goodell knows what the answer will be here. Right? That's you. You know where people you know uh, are going to come from, and th- that that probably knows that the penalty will be lengthened, but it was probably smart of Roger to take it out of his own hands because then that can, you know, you go to court, it could be even worse. Uh, Mike McCann and I were talking about that off, off, and, off air. And here's a question, a question I have for you. We often talk about Roger as kind of the mouthpiece for 32 owners, the people that, yeah. that, 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 that pay his salary. He's the bullseye. It, is is discipline an area where that is less true than other? Do do we think that there were a lot of owners that called Roger after the six game suspension came out and said this needs to be higher? We want you to do X, or or is this a, a rare area where Roger actually makes his own decisions relative to kind of weighing in and doing the thing that the majority? I mean, the Haslam's obviously don't want this thing increased, but is he polling owners? How much are other owners involved in a decision like this to appeal this this suspension? My guess would be not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Be I think that's it, true. It would be, I mean, they're competitors. It would be improper for another owner to have say over what the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns should be penalized. So and, this is a rare instance where Roger is not just kind of the, the, the voice box for all of these owners, where he correct. is actually in the central office making decisions that is separate from per- perhaps what the, what, the, what the will is of the majority of, of his constituents. What, what is best for the shield? What is best for the business of the NFL? What do we have to do here to make sure that things operate smoothly and we don't see any blips on the radar of revenue. Yeah, I think that's that's where this goes. And it has to be, because think about it. Tom Brady and Deflategate, you know, the Crafts the and Roger are close. You can't... And, and by the way, you know, the owners are probably thinking, you know, there but for the grace of God go I and my quarterback. 
the next time it could be one of my star players. My, and we you just it's better to just stay out. Uh, I'm guessing owners would probably like no no suspensions, no penalties ever. Well, right? Yeah, I but, don't disagree with that, which is why I why I had that question because I was wondering. I would imagine if if you polled a majority of owners, I think they would probably be okay with six game suspension. And and usually that that is the way that 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 the NFL front office operates. It's doing the thing that that the owners kind of want in, building, in yeah. yeah, but but this actually seems to be the opposite. And, and we should discuss Scott in the middle of the Watson suspension coming out and the NFL deciding it would or, or saying that it would appeal. The suspension. The NFL also announced discipline to one of its owners, Stephen Ross, owner of the Miami Dolphins. Investigation dating back to the Brian Flores lawsuit. Allegations that the Dolphins one uh, tampered uh, with regards to talking to Tom Brady before he was a free agent, and two allegations of tanking. Uh, Brian Flores says that that, that Stephen Ross offered him money uh, for each game the team lost. Uh, and, and some pretty big punishment here. The, the two big ones, a $1.5 million fine for Stephen Ross, who's a billionaire. Right, so that's not a big one. That's not a huge one, although it is one of the bigger suspensions that, 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 that the league has ever handed down to an owner or a team. Uh, first round draft pick uh, given away for next year, a third round draft that pick matters. In, there, in there as well. Um, and an interesting ruling where, where the league said that its investigation found tampering multiple different times. Uh, with regards to improper conversations between uh, one of the owners of the Dolphins and Tom Brady, but found no no concrete evidence of of of, of tanking in any way that 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 infringed on the on the well that he wasn't serious when he said it. He wasn't serious when he said it to Brian Flores, right? Yeah, which is quite it, an but interesting he wasn't thing. Serious to say, yeah. when he said it. Yeah. So you can say it, but you can't do it. <laughs> yeah. That that would have been the more serious infraction that would have garnered a whopping penalty had you done something like that. But even the tampering, by the way, uh, I remember way back when in the NBA, do you remember the Glenn Taylor, Joe Smith affair? Or are you too young? You may not have. Been. Okay. No. Okay. So in essence, Joe Smith was going to be a free agent. You remember Joe Smith at Maryland, right? You know, sure. okay. So he was going to be up for a new contract. In short, Glenn Taylor promised Joe Smith that he would get a, you know, whatever the new con, the max thing, whatever it was. He promised him the, the terms of the next contract. Now, oftentimes that's impossible to prove, right? No, what are you talking about? That didn't know that, that it's, he said, he said, or he said, she said, no, it doesn't, doesn't, it's not provable. However, there was, oh, there, by the way, I'm supposed to start something soon. There goes my, there goes my alarm. So we don't need that. Uh, let me shut it off here. Um, there was a court case between Joe and his agent. So they went bad. One of the pieces of evidence in that dispute, now get this, was the written promise of the new contract to Joe Smith from the owner. I mean, I will never forget There's David Stern calling it the widest ranging fraud in the history of the NBA. He was not happy. Now you're mm -hmm. talking about salary cap circumvention. You're, you're, you know, that's really flaunting the rules right there. But to put it in print, had Stephen Ross done something like that in a contract and said, hey, for every game we lose, I'll give you a $200,000 bonus, he'd really be in trouble. This, oh, he said it, he was just kidding. He didn't do it. So it uh, shows you the difference between saying it and putting it on paper and having it be an exhibit in a legal proceeding. 
What do you make of the of the timing of all this? The, the these reports obviously you want to get them out to the public in a relatively timely manner, but you can choose to release some of this data four days earlier, four days later. The NFL seemingly chose right in between Deshaun Watson's suspension coming out and announcing that it was going to appeal the suspension. Seems to have deliberately chosen to to announce the Stephen Ross and the Miami punishment. A bad kind of and right worse news sandwich. Yeah, a bad and a worse yeah. news sandwich. Right. The only the only thing I better would would have predicted would have been Friday at five fifteen or Friday at yeah. five thirty. What, what what was the day and time? But yeah, it, it was Wednesday or Tuesday, I think, or maybe yeah, Wednesday. Okay. It was and in the morning. Other stuff. Yeah, it's almost flood the zone of news and put this in between and everybody will talk about Deshaun Watson anyway, because that's obviously the star quarterback. It's funny that the when they announced the Ross thing, everyone was like, oh, they're trying to take attention away from from the Deshaun Watson thing. And then they announced the Deshaun Watson, the second part, like two days later. And then everyone was like, oh, they're trying to take attention away from the Stephen Ross thing. I think people often can't can't decide where the NFL's priorities are land when it comes to uh c- comes to news uh, of this sort but i did think that was interesting yeah i i if if somebody has to be protected it's going to be the owner that's an easy one to that's an easy one to say it's going to be owner over quarterback any day I of the week agreed all right so by the way you're looking to uh make an investment in sport you need you need an investment you want to be a business partner with with the rock danny garcia redbird capital what do you say you in you want this the xfl xfl yeah they are they are looking for equity partners in the league, which is starting up again soon. Uh, And it's interesting. The more I talk to people in ownership positions, it's not, and and people always say, oh, oh, it's the money. It's just the money. But it's not. It really, really, the more I talk to general partners who are taking on limited partners, that it's about the strategic partner. The Rock and Danny and Jerry Cardinal they want to know, are you interested? It's not just bringing in an investor because they can get the money from numerous places. It's what strategic alliance do you bring? How do you strengthen what we're trying to do? Is it media? Is it tech? Is it real estate? But anyway, PJT Partners has been retained to go and find some synergistic, I like that big word, synergistic partners for the XFL. This is XFL 3.0. The the last iteration 2.0 ran right up against the start of the pandemic and and didn't make it through its first season. Uh, There has been countless, Scott, different attempts at making spring professional football in America a thing, um, and and no one has been able to crack the code. But you have The Rock, you have Redbird, and you have Danny Garcia, an an interesting trio for sure. And then whoever they add in here, two interesting um, two interesting partnerships they already have, which should, I think, bode well, at least in some part ESPN. for them. ESPN. Four-year four deal with ESPN, one, um, and then a, a partnership with the NFL for some sort of kind of player collaboration. That was something I believe that the AAF really did want to get in some some capacity, some kind of working relationship with the NFL and was never, never fully able to get. When you talk about strategic investors here, Scott, am I correct in thinking that they'd love to have some NFL owners? Some sure. some kind of more direct uh, direct business relationship between the the mother of all leagues in, in in the world in the NFL and and a smaller professional football league that is clearly trying to you know gain some kind of market share off the back of NFL fans as well. One hundred percent. Let's not forget that uh, former NFL employee Kevin LaForce is over mm. at Redbird, right, running TMT. Um, yeah, no, I, they'd be crazy not to have or want NFL owners and. From what I can tell, the NFL is more than happy to be involved in whether it be USFL or XFL. The NFL is going to be agnostic. 
because they understand they're not going to pick a side. They understand that what's good for football is good for them. So if it helps the USFL, great. If it helps the XFL, great. Do I think either one of them at some point will become the uh, the official minor league or the official development league of the NFL? No, I do not. The NFL is going to stay agnostic and sprinkle whatever it needs to around to have a relationship and help help the sport of football grow in the springtime. That's what's in their best interest. And to be clear, the NFL is not in any way uh, worried about the success of these things relative to to its own business. I think a lot of fans maybe underestimate the lengths at which owners really want to have better ways of evaluating players before they draft them or before they sign them. And, and the reason why, and this is widely misunderstood, the reason why high school basketball players can't enter the NBA right out of their high school senior year is because NFL NBA owners essentially wanted at least another year of some kind of evaluation, largely through college basketball, to get a sense of how good players were before they draft them. I can see a world where the NFL and NFL owners would love the idea of a more vibrant, you have college, obviously, a more vibrant, younger, professional, smaller league out there in which they're also getting a better a better ability to evaluate talent, maybe post-college talent as well, so that they can be more targeted with their signings. I think there's a way in which, and this partnership, from what I understand with the XFL, is already kind of aimed at some of that. But I can see a world in which a successful XFL uh, is really beneficial to NFL owners on, on that point specifically. All right, I'm going to throw something out here right now. And again, we're going to need another sound for this because you know, maybe the brilliant idea sound, right? We're going to close it with an idea <laughs> that we won't fully go into, but we can maybe bring up on the next podcast because you're like, oh, what are the NFL's not concerned? There's only one thing the NFL has to be concerned with. Only one thing. One thing the NFL needs to be concerned with. Can you, can you at all take a guess? I'll give you like 10 seconds. I don't want to keep total silence, though. One I'm very happy with this one. This this NFL is a Harvard case study, right? Harvard Business School case study. Concerned with. Yes. Okay, you can. I'm ready. You ready for the I answer? Mean, is it, it's not head injuries, right? It is not head injuries. No, no, no. Okay. They've been dealing yeah, with that forever. Got? No, they're yep. okay. Live football and the commissioner, <laughs> Greg Norman. That's the only thing the NFL needs to fear is live football and commissioner, Greg Norman. Interesting. That's what, well, I think that's a long start, way off, is my guess. Quarterbacks <laughs> making $100 million each. Linemen, what does the linemen make these days? What's your top linemen make? Four, five, six, seven. What, I, don't, I don't know. What is, yeah, what's the top linemen make? Yeah, high single-digit millions would be my guess. Great. Double oh, it. no, wait. We've got to be double more it. than that now that I think about okay, it. Okay, double yeah. it. Come play live football. We'll double it for you. You know, We want the best in the, you know, that's it. Come play for us. Yeah, if that's true of, of, of the NFL, it's true of every league also, right? I mean, there, everyone well, I'm yes, sure is probably thinking about specifically that. Talking. Now, now you're discussing. I said we talk it on the next show. Totally we'll, we'll lead the next show with that brilliant idea. All right. He is a very sweaty Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. We have many, many times already mentioned Matt Whitehurst. Thank you, Matt. Our digital media editor is Core Development. She loves when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which will soon become the hub of the Sportical Media Network. <laughs>